This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. I don't want to sound like a broken record. I don't want you to turn off the radio and say, oh, there he goes again. But I, I feel very strongly about this. That while I fully understand the Steelers have the weapons that you need for a high-paced offense and should fully take advantage of that, there are degrees and limitations to everything. And I think passing 68% of the time and running 32% of the time represents an imbalance, whether James Conner's there or not. And especially against some defenses that proven to be highly vulnerable. This week, the Raiders have one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL. But they've run up against teams that have those kind of numbers and still don't seem to want to run. And I'm not saying you get away from your game plan or get away from your strength. But obviously, the more times you put the ball in the air, the more dangerous it can be. Obviously, fumbles can be a problem, and they have been for the Steelers, but the fact is that Ben is averaging over one interception per game, and the more you put the ball in the air, it stands to reason. The more chance you have to be picked off. It's interesting to me about where they are in terms of the run game. We know we've already mentioned that they are last in the AFC, 29th in the NFL. And the reasons for teams not running are multiple. It is true that when you don't run a lot, the chances are you're behind a great deal. The chances are that you don't have a good offensive line or you don't have a top-quality running back. But what's the Steelers' excuse? Have they been behind a lot? They weren't behind against the Chargers until the fourth quarter. The times they've been behind, other than the Kansas City game when they were down 21 nothing, even with that, they weren't so hopelessly behind that the running game couldn't have been utilized. The only time, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say twice this season, where they stopped running the ball because they weren't successful doing it was the first Baltimore game here, and the first half against Jacksonville, where I believe Connor had 11 carries, something like that. They tried, and they just weren't having any success with it, so you're not going to keep doing that if for whatever reason, or they're stacking the box. I still think that this offensive line and the run game is good enough to even beat that, but if they're going to stack the box, a box that makes them vulnerable to the passing game. I mean, I get all that.
But looking at the number of passes thrown this year, Ben has thrown more passes than any quarterback in the NFL. Second is Kirk Cousins. Now, they have had running. He's with the Vikings, of course, and they've had issues there. Dalvin Cook had been hurt for a good while, so maybe that's why they don't run the ball much. Andrew Luck, Colts' third most passes. That's their offense. He is their offense. Aaron Rodgers, they have issues at running back. They also have Aaron Rodgers. And Matt Ryan, the fifth most passes. We saw them play. Devontae Freeman was hurt. He came back in against the Steelers. He lasted a game and a half and now is on IR and gone for the rest of the season. And I understand all that. But what do we have here? The Vikings have a winning record, barely. The Colts are at 500. The Packers are below the line, and so are the Falcons. Maybe you could say, well, look at the Steelers. They passed the most, and of this group, the top five passing attempts in the NFL, they've got the best record at 7-4-1. But it's not as though, like these other teams, that they don't have success running the ball. The thing that bothers me the most about all this is that they have abandoned the run even when the yards per carry have been decent. Not spectacular, but you know what? If you are averaging, your back is averaging four yards per carry, you'd like that up a little bit. But it's not like you're getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage. Again, it would be one thing if you your offensive line was bad, but we know it's not. We know that they've had tremendous success. Obviously, what you do depends on your opponent. I understand all that. And I'm not saying you stop throwing. Why? You've got a Hall of Fame quarterback, a Hall of Fame receiver, a young receiver who's doing great. You got, finally, a viable tight end when he's healthy. And although you're still waiting for the third wide receiver to emerge, you can't deny their success when they're throwing the ball. But I think you can also make the argument that they've been successful when they've chosen to run the football, when they're dedicated to it. I just think they need more balance. I certainly think they need more running on the goal line. I, I, I don't. We all know what's happened there. It's cost them games. And even on the one game, Jacksonville, where they chose to run, they barely made it in, and that's after they were throwing the ball around on the goal line. And if Ben is going to continue to throw 45 times a game, then you are increasing the risk that his interception rate, which is unacceptable, is not going to go down. Yeah, he can make better throws, but it's not always on the quarterback either. 
I also think the amount of times they throw is a matter of choices made by the quarterback. Randy Feekner has introduced a lot of run-pass options. Now, if you are a quarterback, what are you more likely to do? Hand the ball off or throw it? We also know that Ben has a lot of latitude in calling the plays or changing plays, and by all accounts, that has been expanded under Feekner as opposed to Haley. So it's not all on the call that's initially played. It's the availability to change the play or when there is an option involved, not just Ben, what's a court? That's what they do. They throw the ball. They want to throw the ball. Ron on the cell phone, George. Now, hi, Ron. Hey, Stan. You know, don't worry about preaching to the choir on this issue because, I mean, this is nothing. I mean, I know you're focusing on this season, but this has just gone on really for a decade. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. We're looking to play the Raiders this week, right? The last time we played the Raiders in Pittsburgh, I think it was, Bruce Gradkowski was the quarterback. So that tells you how long this goes back. What, a decade maybe? Yeah, I remember Bruce the game. Right. On empty set, first down, he threw at least two, maybe three interceptions that game. First down, empty set in the red zone. So this isn't anything that is just with this OC. This has been under Arians. He's had complete control. Under Haley, he's had complete control. Whatever whatever personnel they send in, yeah, he has to utilize that personnel. But Ben has full latitude to change the play at the line of scrimmage, which he's, he does maybe more than any other quarterback in the league, in, 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 at least in my estimation, when I see the personnel package that goes in. How many times are we empty set on first down in the red zone? And this has gone on for a decade. And all you're doing, now you're shorting the field, so the defense only has to really defend 20 yards, and you're basically saying, we, we think we can beat you with the pass. We're not even going to think about running. I'm not going to get under center. I'm not going to play play action. I'm going to stand back here in the shotgun. And if you incomplete that, then you're looking at second and 10. So my point is, this is nothing new. This has gone on for a decade, year after year. And I don't care who the running backs are. You go back as far as Willie Parker. Um, you know, it is Ben's offense. He runs it the way he wants, and he defers every Monday or Tuesday when he's interviewed by the media. Like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm calling what it, what I'm told to call. Yeah, that's he's not calling. Yeah, that's, that's all, all BS. Yeah, that's all BS. Uh, because I remember the the game they had in Kansas City where they failed in the goal line. He said, you know, he was throwing Haley under the bus and said, I just call what I'm told. No, he's got every. In fact, he threw an interception on a play that he called. Um, in the end zone, if you remember, and and he said, "I'm just running the plays that are I'm told to run." That's that's not at all true. I'm, I'm not beating Ben up. I'm not beating. No, ben up. I understand, so but I understand. We're so lucky to have this guy. We wouldn't be where we are. No question. Him. Don't get me wrong. No but question. But the running game, head. the running game is a viable weapon for them, right. uh, and I think one of the reasons that they spread it out near the end. You know what? Goal line offense is an entirely different conversation than just the offense in general. It's uh, yeah. I mean, you can you can identify what they do on the goal line, but I'm gonna, in a broader sense, they're only running the ball a third of the time. I don't care if they're on 20 or at the opponent's 20. I think they can run the ball, and let's, let's be honest. They were doing that kind of stuff, uh, and one of the reasons they spread it out on the goal line is because they had 26 who caused all kinds of problems, you know, defending him because you didn't know uh, if he'd end up in a pass pattern. You know, Connor catches the ball well, but he's not Le'Veon Bell. 
So, I mean, that, that you know, partially, uh, you know, takes some of your weaponry away. And by all accounts, and, and the stats tell you, that they have been one of the best red zone teams in the NFL this year. I'm not talking about goal line. I didn't like some of the calls. But I'm talking about just in general, running the ball a third of the time with the line you have and with the backs you have, it's not enough. We began, we began to see the balance that you talked about when Bell was really in his prime in terms of, you know, that balance was there, and that is what's going to get us far. I'm now, when you have running backs that are hurt, like we've gone to the championship games and we've used, you know, uh, to- whoever the guy was, uh, well, ben, a couple of years ago. Ben yeah. Tate I mean, I understand. Fitz. I understand with a 70%, 30%. But when you've got healthy running backs and you've got a great offensive line the way we do, and we get into that red zone and we go empty set, which drives me crazy on first down, you know. Just play play action. You want to throw the ball, throw the ball. But don't show them that I'm standing back here and that we're throwing the ball. That's all there's to it. All right, Ron, thank you. We agree on that. No, no, don't apologize. That's great. I totally agree. Um, We're going to talk some more football. Brent Musburger at 1, Matt Williamson at 120. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. In the gun. On the mark, Stevens with a corner fire. They pick it up. He throws for the end zone. Oh, it's caught out of the air, the end zone, and it's a touchdown. The Steelers defended and popped up in the air. Joe Hayden hit it, and it ended up in Keenan Allen's hands for the 10 yard touchdown. Well, that was a bit of bad luck. That's the ball that Joe Hayden probably would have intercepted, and Sean Davis hit him. You know, the joke. That's the only thing Sean Davis hit all night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all that sort of ended up being a touchdown pass uh, in that case with Keenan Allen, who tortured the Steelers with 14 receptions. We're joined now by Matt Williamson. He's brought to us by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. That was a very good year. Um, I opened the show, and I've been talking about it all week long. Some teams don't run the ball much because they can't. They're not very mm-hmm. good at it. They don't have the right personnel. They don't have a good offensive line. The Steelers don't have either of those excuses. Are they too pass-happy, two-to-one ratio? Um, I have mixed feelings about that because, you know, in today's NFL, you also see so much short passing that really acts as an extension of the run game. I'm not saying that's what the Steelers are doing because they're still the highest percentage, you know, passing team in the league, in a, in a league that is throwing the backs a lot. Um, so I do think those things can be a little misleading. I also think it's noteworthy that – in the last couple games, they've had quite a few two-minute situations at the end of halves and games where you're just not going to throw or you're just not going to pass or run. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, whatever we're talking about here. And yeah, obviously that's two, yeah, two choices there. <laughs> right? yeah, I was 50%. Run. I missed it twice. Um, so I think that skews it a little bit too. If it's the end of the half and you only got 35 seconds on the clock, right. you're going to throw, you're going to throw, you're going to throw. And they've been very good at that, And by they've the been way. very good Tremendous. at that, yeah. And that's what the other thing I want to say about it is are we unhappy with how they move the ball in Denver or for the most part against the Chargers? I mean, for the most part, it's working. I really thought the Jags game would be a run-centric game, though. I mean, we know how good that pass defense is going back to last year and all those things. So it's a little surprising, especially because running's a more conservative, safer method. You're less chance to screw things up. I mean, going back to the old adage, if you throw the ball, one out of three things is good and the other two are bad. 
And I also am curious, and this isn't excusing it at all, and I'm not even sure it's a problem, but how much of it is Ben coming to the line and, and changing into a pass? Because I'm sure he has more control than ever. And, again, it's working. The offense is, work, is working for the most part. Well, I mentioned that as you know, one of the elements of this. Um, not only he's always had the latitude to change plays, mm-hmm. um, but he's also calling a lot of the plays. And now that Randy Fichtner has instituted the RPO into the offense, which they really didn't have much of before, I don't care who you're talking about, what's a quarterback more likely to do right. given the <laughs> I mean, he's going to pass? Sure. You know, I don't care if it's in the 50-yard line or the two. I do think, Matt, that what happens on the goal line is a different discussion. Yes, I'm glad you went that way. Yeah, because I, I think that's a different story. And, yeah, I mean, the offense. But when you're throwing over one interception per game, the less you throw, the less opportunity. And what bothers me about all this is that the only time, I was like two times, the only two times where the run game was shut down and they had to get away from it was in the first Baltimore game mm-hmm. and the first half against Jacksonville. Then I understand. I mean, they weren't getting it wasn't working. But in the other games we're talking about, Connor was averaging four yards per carry. It's not fabulous, but it's pretty good. Pretty effective. Right. Yeah. All That's great my points. Issue. All great points. And I was always very critical of Haley especially near the goal line, get Nick's in the game, get Chooks in the game, you know, those type of guys. Um, I will excuse it for, what was it, the Denver game, because those guys were injured. I mean, they didn't have – Chooks was playing right tackle. They didn't have the extra big body. They had some tight end injuries at the time, too, so they didn't have as many big personnel to go pound the ball. But, I mean, I do think a big reason why the red zone production has spiked this year is they've run the ball more. And maybe these last couple games are just sort of – a. Uh, I think they will run the ball more down by the goal line. I think Feetner does that more than Haley. Um, some other really good points there, though. I mean, I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing. I mean, are they turning the ball over too much? Yes, but it's really only been in three games. I mean, it was week one against the, the Browns. It was the Jag game and the Denver game. And they were 1-1-1 one, one, and one in those games. Is Ben throwing too many interceptions? Yes, but he's also throwing more passes than anybody in the league. So his interception percentage isn't amongst the worst. I mean, so if you throw more, you're going to turn the ball over more. And we don't want turnovers, but I don't think he's super interception prone this year either. You know where I'm going with it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that might be mitigated somewhat if the defense were forcing some well, turnovers. No doubt, right? you know, that ratio, um, if, it, if it was better, I just think there are certain circumstances. If they're stuffing you, you know, that's, that's one thing. And also, if they're putting an eighth guy in the box, why not take advantage yes. uh, of that? I just... Uh, do you expect to see them run more because of all that or running less because they don't have Connor? The Raiders are a tough call because they don't do anything well on defense. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, they're last, I believe, or yeah. 31st in run defense. And their pass rush is abysmal. And I mean, I, I did want to make one more point, though. That Chargers game in the second half, they pretty much started every drive running the ball, you know, with a lead. And then it was a penalty, you know, on Foster. Then there was yeah. a penalty on Villanueva. And then it's second and 20, and you're throwing again, you know, so. Sometimes the best intentions don't get you where you need to be, too. The, the Raiders will be a tough thing to figure out because when we talk about them, I almost feel like it's a preseason game because they're that lack of talent. And, and I know teams are out there, people are out there going, they have terrible success in Oakland. It's the black hole. This is the type of game Tomlin loses. Well, I don't think so. I mean, I just think that this team's really, really bad. And when you game plan against them, 
it would be wonderful to have a lead, and I'd love to see guys like Washington and Samuels get heavily involved late in the game, get them some reps and some confidence. But when you game plan against them, you can run, you can throw. There's, <laughs> I mean, they have the worst pass rush in the league by a wide margin. And with the Steelers' protection, I won't blame Ben if he looks at his team and says, I'm an audible to a pass because I'm going to have five seconds to throw and AB's going to get open. So this will be a tough call. I mean, going into the Patriots game will be more telling, I think. Yeah, to say the least. uh, You know, also the other thing, you know, uh, about the Raiders, I was just mentioning, um, we know they're a bad football team. Interestingly enough, after they got smoked in their first game of the year, they then lost to the Broncos by one point. They Mm -hmm. lost to the Dolphins by a touchdown. But since that time, they had a five-game losing streak. Since that time, they have not won a game, or excuse me, lost a game within a touchdown. The best they did was last week against Kansas City. They lost by seven in that game. But the other ones have all been double-digit. I mean, they're not even competitive. No, you're right. And in a way, I think that they're starting to make a little progress as an organization in that they all know that they're working for their jobs at this point. They know what Gruden expects at this point. I think Carr's playing a little better. They're playing hard. You know, they, they had a really respectable performance against Kansas City. Um, they just don't have talent. You know, they're just not good players. Like, if they had Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, you'd be like, well, you better stop Cooper. Or, boy, you got to get Mack blocked. There's no one on their team that fits that criteria. Could the Steelers lose it? Of course. I mean, we saw the Bills walk into Minnesota and blow them out. You know, that there's strange things happen in this league, but there's really no excuse if they lose this game because it's not even close. Well, it's interesting to me because uh, – I. I agree. I I put this all on the Steelers. You know, they fancy Mm -hmm. themselves as this legitimate championship contender based on the last two games, which could have and probably should have been won. Probably. The Jacksonville game, which probably should have been lost. They haven't played great football. Not winning football, let's put it that way. And if they've got a hair on their ass, pardon me, then this is the kind of game you not only have to go out there and win, you have to dominate. Not You don't get any extra points. But you say, would think from I a pride perspective. Yeah. Right. I shouldn't say extra points in front of Chris Boswell. <laughs> but, um, but if you, yeah, I mean, I think they need to get their swagger back. Not that you can beat Oakland and say, okay, uh, Brady, bring it on. But I, I do think that, again, they need to win badly. But I, I also think they need to reestablish themselves. I do, too. And I expect them to. I mean, I do think it's a proud organization. Their road record has been exceptional the last, you know, 16, 18 games, whatever it is. Um, and it would shock me. I do think they're a proud organization. It would shock me if this game isn't over by the third quarter or so. I mean, a win's a win, a loss a loss. But if you go out there and need a Boswell field goal to win 21-20 against these guys – Something went wrong, and this team's not as good as we think it can be. I mean, there a lot of the advanced metrics really show that the good teams blow out the bad teams. I know that sounds, you know, of course they do, Matt. But no, I mean, uh, the teams that are really thirteen and three, when they take a, a game like this, it's over before you know it. I and mean, we've seen New England do that over the years, over and over and over. And, and I expect that to happen. I'll be shocked if it doesn't. You know, I want to ask you about Jalen Samuels. Something surprised me about him. When he caught that little swing pass, which tied the game Mm -hmm. at 30, I thought to myself, and it was right in front of me, below me, I should say, uh, there's no way he's got the speed to get to the corner and beat that guy. And he did. He did. He's a little faster than I thought he was. Yeah, and that was an odd play because he bobbled it, and I think that might have helped him, actually, because the defenders sort of stopped their pursuit. And then, But you're right, though. His 
acceleration from the point of where he secured the football was better than what I expected out of him. You know, watching him the preseason, I thought he was kind of a monotone athlete, you know, and I, he showed a little more burst than I expected. And that's what he looked like at NC State. I mean, as an open field guy, as a receiver, we'll see. I mean, I'm excited for his opportunity. I think he'll do well in this. But I don't think he's going to be the bell cow or, you know, make us forget about Le'Veon Bell. He's not really a, quote, running back in the true sense of the word. He's more of a receiver guy, right? Right, right. I mean, he got very few carries at NC State. And it's not because Naheem Hines was getting all the carries. It was just, you're such a good receiver, that's what you are. I mean, he worked out with the tight ends at the Combine, which is weird. But, I mean, he is a running back, but I don't think he's a I – mean, he'll be the first one to tell you. I mean, we interviewed him actually at minicamp, and he's like, I've never done pass protection before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because if it run around, out, yeah. yeah, he ran, he, he went out, and really, he has. I think he's never had more than twelve or sixteen carries in a game at the college level. So I wouldn't expect him to be the workhorse the next two weeks. By the way, we just got word that Brent Musburger is going to be on what in about uh, ten minutes or so. Okay, oh, nice. oh good, he called back. That's that's good. Well, so we'll have Brent Musburger on. Um, Stephen Ridley had a very good year for the New England Patriots. Maybe that's part and parcel of being part of that program, if you will. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about him? Um, I like him. I, I think he's a, a quality three. I would, doesn't bring a lot in the passing game. I mean, that was four years ago that he had a quality year with the Patriots. I mean, I think he's still an NFL back for sure, um, but not special. And that goes back to the argument too. Would you rather have great blocking or a great back? I'd rather have great blocking. And he'll take, he'll get what's there and more. So I think he's adequate. That was my next question. Yeah. Um, will, will the Steelers' offensive line make him better? Oh, for sure. I, I think so. I mean, if you flip the script and he had to run for the Raiders against the Steelers and vice versa, he'd average two and a half yards of carry as opposed to 4.1. You know what I mean? I mean, he'll, he'll hit the right hole, he'll hit it hard, get a little something extra, and he won't wow you. Do you expect the Steelers, while Be uh, Connor is out, Freudian slip, I said Bell, uh, while Connor is out, do you expect Ben to pass even more than he's been passing? I don't know. Uh, it goes back to the original conversation that it's going to be really tempting for him and his gunslinger mentality to come to that line of scrimmage and know they can't get pressure on me. Why wouldn't I throw? <laughs> you know, but the, the probably the safer, smarter move in the game planning this week, I would think, would be try to get up early, throw a little bit early in the game, and then run the ball down their throats over and over and over and maybe throw some to Washington and guys like that to get them involved. But that's easy for me to say sitting here Friday. I mean, I'm not trying to block those guys or I'm not on the road, you know. But if you really are the superior team, you should really do whatever you want on that side of the ball. A couple of important games relative to the Steelers and none more important and then Baltimore against Kansas City. And it looks like Sammy Watkins is out. They're talking about yeah. signing Kelvin Benjamin and what they're going to, you know, 48 hours, you know, before the game. Uh, I thought before that news and before their wide receiver issues, whatever they might be, and before Kareem Hunt and all that stuff, I had this sneaking suspicion that Baltimore could win this game, which yeah. would be devastating to the Steelers. It would be. And I think this is the style of team that KC doesn't want to see. I mean, remember Tennessee went in there and won the playoff game last year with a physical run the ball, slow the, the pace down. And surprisingly, as good as Baltimore's defense is, they're creating less turnovers than the Steelers, which is an amazing situation. However, they're still a very confusing coverage group. I mean, they throw a lot of things at you. They show you one thing, they give you another. 
And Mahomes has passed all those tests, but he still only played 12 games in his life or something like that. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they lose that turnover battle. I don't think Kansas City's running game will be where it has been without Hunt. You know, they can't lean on that as much. They're a little light on weapons. If this was in Baltimore, I might pick the Ravens, not because they're the better team, but I do think the matchup is pretty strong for them. In Kansas City's tough. I mean, what's Lamar Jackson going to do? He could throw three to the other team, too. Um, but it wouldn't blow me away if, if Baltimore plays these guys tough. That's the way I'm thinking about it, too. And I, I think ultimately, especially we get into the playoffs against better competition and the weather may be a factor, I just think there's going to come a time where the Chiefs are going to get betrayed by an off. The defense is awful. It's not even mm-hmm. bad. It's below bad. And I think there's going to come a time in the playoffs they're not going to be able to outscore their opponent to win. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I mean, even if they they probably will host all their playoff games, but Kansas City gets nasty too in you know late December. Tell you what, though, if they lose to Baltimore, they still have the Chargers to deal with. Yeah, I mean, Chargers could still win that division. They still win the division. Yeah, you know? and the Chargers are the more complete team. They might be the better team. They're just in a hole right now. It's amazing how Andy Reid owns that division, though. Too, he has some real trends through his career that. And one of them is they tend to kind of fall apart at the end of the season, too. We saw them last year. They looked like a juggernaut until Pittsburgh went in there, and then it seemed like everyone figured them out from after that. And his record in the playoffs is not good. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I, I think that there is, you know, he kills, the, he destroys the teams in his division. He doesn't really excel in the playoffs. I, I look at the Chiefs and think maybe next year's their year. You know, after a couple defensive reinforcements, Mahomes learns a little bit more about how you win at this level. I, I, maybe the Chargers are the best team in the AFC. Were you impressed with them as you saw them? Uh, yes. Even though it's a game they could have easily should have lost. Yeah, they should have lost. Um, but they didn't have Melvin Gordon. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. they're they're much easier to defend without him. Would you rather? Cha- would you rather have Melvin Gordon or a bad officiating crew? <laughs> <laughs> what would you? What would I'd you rather, rather the, have on your side? I'd rather have the officiating crew in my back pocket than <laughs> any than Jim Brown. Yeah, that was pretty helpful. And. I, mean, I, found, I just found it interesting uh, that everybody's talking, oh, that's a really good crew. Uh, it's interesting that the referee, uh, Bill Vinovich, was born in Midland, PA, in Beaver County. Oh, really? But at a young age, he grew up in San Diego. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. so there you go. I, I got a kick out of them saying, this is the most veteran crew. They have 600 years together or whatever with 300 years playing. I'm like, well... I'm 45 and I don't see as well as I used to. Is being an old man really a, a good thing as a ref? I mean, you got to run around and you got to. Uh, there's an age limit on these guys, isn't there? I, I suppose, but when there's a guy 6'5, 330 pounds who stands up a full second before the snap, uh, I don't think you have to have 20 20 vision to see that. Yeah, 66,000 people saw it or whatever. Yeah. Only, everyone did but one. All right, Matt. So you're saying the Steelers should uh, should romp, and of course next week will be a uh, if they do or don't. And next week will be a different discussion when the Patriots come a call. And thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Absolutely, it was fun. Matt Williamson. Don't forget you can read him at John Clayton uh, uh, ClaytonFootball.com. And uh, Matt has a lot of podcasts. Check him out. Check him out on Twitter at uh, Williamson NFL. All right, coming up, we'll get our Raiders scouting report from the iconic Brent Musburger. That's next. Saverin on Sports, ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Well, it's a great pleasure now as we get our Oakland Raiders scouting report to welcome in one of the absolute iconic legends in sports broadcasting history. 
Brent Musburger, longtime CBS, ESPN, ABC, play-by-play voice, and now the play-by-play voice of the Oakland Raiders. He joins us now on Savern on Sports in Pittsburgh. Brent, thank you so much, first of all, getting back to us, and thanks so much for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I apologize. Uh, I was on another call, and I couldn't shake loose, and... Uh... Uh, you probably figure it's because uh, I'm ducking you because I'm the voice of the Raiders now. But uh, <laughs> believe me, I've got uh, such uh, warm feelings for the uh, Steelers back through the years and back with Terry Bradshaw and those and those great teams and the NFL today and everything. It's uh, it's going to be fun to see Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers in person on Sunday afternoon. I'm really looking forward to this game. You know, Brent, we were talking yesterday and having conversations with some of the Steelers from the 70s about that rivalry. Uh, it just shows you that geography is not necessarily the harbinger of a great rivalry. It's the competitive nature of it, and there was no better, bit more bitter, nastier rivalry than the Raiders and Steelers, largely because they employed a lot of the same types of players. Yeah, Exactly. You know, back in the day, oh my goodness, Lambert there at, uh, at linebacker and the rest of that gang, Mean Joe, I run into him uh, occasionally at affairs, uh, love, love to talk with him, and of course, uh, Ben Davidson. Oh. You know, I, think, I think every team in the league back in that day has got a memory of, uh, of Ben sparing one of their, one of their offensive players, uh, but you're right. I mean, it was uh, no holds barred. At times, uh, with these players, and it was just uh, an unbelievable rivalry. And of course, uh, our buddy John Madden, he, he still swears to this day that Franco Harris did not catch that pass <laughs> cleanly. You know what I mean? And Frenchy <laughs> and Frenchy Fuqua is not talking, so uh, we'll never know this. <laughs> and neither is Franco. We'll never, uh, we'll never get that. Yeah, George Atkinson and Jack Tatum. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. Otis Sistrunk. And I, I just a quick story. I don't want to waste much time because I sure. want to hear about these Raiders. But I was recounting a story yesterday. Um, after that game in 76, the uh, criminal element game where Atkinson elbowed right. Lynn Swan and concussed him, uh, the Raiders came the following. And of course, then they lost to the Raiders in the AFC Championship game. They had a regular season game in 77. It was here in Pittsburgh at Three Rivers. And I remember interviewing Lambert during the week. And I was talking about all those tough guys. And he looked at me. He was smoking a cigarette, of course, at the time. And he said, Hey, we don't exactly have 40 angels in here either. And, you know, he had Fats Holmes and, uh, you know, and Glenn Edwards and Mel Blunt. It was a, it was a, you know, Dwight White and Elsie Greenwood is a pretty tough group. Brett, before we get to talking about you know this year's game, I was really intrigued as to how the Raider play-by-play job uh, became available to you. Well, it was out of the blue. Believe me, I was uh, I was not looking uh, to go back into the booth. Uh, we've got the VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, going here at one of the casinos, and we talk about gambling on sports, and of course the Supreme Court opened it up and uh, made it available in other states uh, other than Nevada. But at any rate, I was at a hockey game, of all things. The Vegas Golden Knights uh, were making their run for the Stanley Cup final. And I saw Mark Davis uh, in one of the restaurants prior to the game. And I went over uh, to say hello and introduce him to a couple of friends I have here in Las Vegas. And after they finished with their conversation, Mark looked at me and he said, would you ever think about coming back to do some games for the Raiders? 
And I'm going to be perfectly honest. I thought he was uh, referring to those preseason games in August in which you hire local broadcasters to do the telecast. And I said, oh, sure, you know, give me a call. And I didn't think anything about it. I just went on to the hockey game and, and then went home. And about a week later, the president, Mark Bedane, called me. And that's when I realized that they wanted me to step in and broadcast the, uh, the radio games for the, for the entire season for the Raiders. So I talked to my family about it, and, uh, and they voted unanimously. Maybe they wanted me out of the house. But <laughs> under the guise of, Dad, you love going to see games, so why don't you try it? It really, uh, you know, I've never done play-by-play radio for a long, long time. So that's been an educational process for me. I've had to work at it. But it's been good. I've enjoyed being back in the booth. I've enjoyed especially seeing the teams around the league. I can do without traveling from the West Coast to London yeah. for one football game. I, you know, I, <laughs> uh, I kind of shake my head at that because I did the old World League of American football in Europe for a long, long time, and I'm absolutely positively convinced that American football will never, as in ever, come close to duplicating the hold that soccer has on the youngsters over there. But so be it. It's, it's been a great experience. I've enjoyed it. Uh, John Gruden's a longtime fan. He's suffering because this has been a bad year. From a broadcasting standpoint, obviously, you'd like to be around a better team. But the kids haven't quit, and, that, and that's been impressive the last couple of weeks. You know, Brett, I was looking at their, their results thus far, um, and um, after the opening loss to the Rams, they were very competitive, losing by one point to the Broncos and then losing by a touchdown at Miami. Since that time, other than the Chiefs game last week, every loss has been by double digits. Um, is it just kind of a Murphy's Law thing where what can go wrong will go wrong? Well, I think that in John's case, he came in really and tore up the roster, okay, uh, and then the best player is now with the Chicago Bears. Khalil Mack uh, was by far their best defensive player going forward, and that was a, uh, simply a contractual dispute. Uh, Derek Carr makes upward of $25 million a year. They did not want to pay Mack the kind of money he wanted. The owner, Mark Davis, and uh, Mack's agent had a falling out, and that led to the trade and that, in effect, led to the downfall of the defense in the early going. And offensively, whenever you come with two rookies at your offensive tackle spots, you got your hands full. It's hard holding up, and I'm sure the Steelers, because they're very good with their defensive front, they've had a lot of sacks this year. I know that they're studying Colton Miller, Brandon Parker, and the uh, tight ends who they use to try to help those tackles out. And, and they will be under fire from the Steelers on Sunday afternoon. But I think it's a case of a roster being completely rebuilt. Obviously not next year, but the year after. They're moving here to Las Vegas. Now, the new stadium is going to be a beautiful stadium. A lot of Pittsburgh fans, when they see uh, whatever that year is, that the Steelers are going to be out playing the Raiders. And, and that will be the case throughout the National Football League. But it's a rebuilding process. Uh, John Gruden's offensive system is a little complex. Uh, Derek Carr, it has taken him time to get his arms around it. Uh, but you mentioned the last couple of games, and uh, uh, Baltimore jumped all over him with a running attack. The defensive line without Mack, not very good in the middle. And uh, so uh, Ravens had their way running up and down the field. Uh, but against the Chiefs, 
they made Kansas City hit and hustle, and that wound up being a seven-point game after the Chiefs recovered an onside kick. It was a good onside kick by Carlson, but it, uh, but it didn't travel to 10 yards, so the Raiders could not handle it, did not have a chance to perhaps get the game into overtime. Look, I'm not saying that this Raider team is on the same level with the Steelers or the Chiefs or the Patriots or any of the Blue Bloods in the AFC, but this is a team that the Steelers will realize early on, you know, we're going to have to work. We're going to have to work to get out of here because these kids are coming after us. And uh, if you look historically at the record of the Steelers under this administration out on the West Coast, it's not good in that Pacific time zone. And uh, so the Steelers are going to have to work to get their W. There's a reason why they're big favorites. They're a better football team. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But I'm expecting the Raiders to put up a pretty good battle on Sunday afternoon, to tell you the truth. Interesting, because the Steelers, Ben's never won there. He's 0-3 there. And people say, well, you know, the Raiders... The they don't have a very good team this year, but they didn't have very good teams in the previous three games, and the Steelers do have a history of playing down to the level of competition. One thing we've been talking about here, Brent, is that the Steelers are very pass-happy. Their ratio, two passes for every one run, which is unusual for a Steeler team. Now they don't have James Conner. Uh, I expect that they'll pass even more. I'm anxious to know about the, you mentioned the Raiders' run defense. What about the pass defense? Well, there's a couple of guys in that secondary, and uh, you probably know more about this than I do, but there's a corner by the name of Rashawn Melvin. He played for Indianapolis last year, and they say that Melvin, when he went up against Antonio Brown, did a pretty good job, okay? So obviously Melvin will be one of the corners used on him. There's another youngster from Ohio State, Garyon Conley. Those who follow the draft and the personnel know that Conley two years ago was the number one draft choice, did not play much last year because of injuries. He's been coming along. He definitely is going to be a starter, barring injuries, uh, for the next few years in that secondary. The, the Raiders are not strong at safety. They don't have that kind of speed that if the Steeler receivers, you know, if Smith-Schuster or Antonio get loose going down the field, uh, they're going to have trouble playing catch-up with him. And Darius Hayward Bay, who knows all about the Raiders because he was drafted in the first round uh, a few years back, has got that kind of speed. So the Raiders do not have the speed in the deep secondary to keep up, but the corners are going to battle those two wideouts all game long. And the question will be whether or not they can get any pressure, any pressure on Big Ben. I mean, he's still so strong standing in the pocket. If they can force him to have to throw it a second, a half second earlier, they might have a chance to hang in. But I do think that Ben will have a pretty prolific day throwing, throwing downfield. And, uh, of course, with his, his tight ends, you got Jesse James. He caused the rule change. You guys should have beaten the Patriots last year. And Vance McDonald, uh, tight ends have had their way against the Raiders. Uh, Andrew Luck threw three touchdown passes against three different, with three different tight ends against that Raiders secondary. There's no doubt in my mind that for the Raiders to stay in this game, they're going to have to score, okay? That that will be the key. If they had not fumbled away, three different running backs fumbled the ball away last week for the Raiders, they might have pushed the Chiefs into overtime, to tell you the truth. So it's going to be up to Derek Carr on the offense, I think, to stay stay with Ben. I think we're going to be trading points. The over-under number here in Las Vegas has been over 50 
all week long, so they expect some uh, points to go up on that scoreboard. I think 50 is the over under on Ben's interceptions this year, but um, that's, that's, that's another story. Brent, I can't uh, tell you how much I enjoyed talking with you. I wish we had more time. I really appreciate you taking the time. Glad you're back in the booth. God, you were born to be there. That's where you belong. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. And again, I'm sorry I wasn't with you at the top of the hour, but really enjoyed talking to you. And I'm really looking forward to seeing Coach Tomlin and the Steelers on Sunday. All Take right. care, guys. Thanks uh, a lot. All right, Brent. Thank you very much. That is Brent Musburger. Ain't doing, you're in how that all came about, doing Raiders play-by-play. Interesting. Interesting.